Jalen, could I interest you in a cup of coffee, by the way? Got a full cup right here. 10 4. Wow, my computer's slow. Here we go. You're listening to The Dumb Will Speak, a podcast in which we seek to honor the truth of God as revealed in His Word. Hello everyone and welcome to The Dumb Will Speak, I'm Roy. And I'm the Dunder Chief. <laughs> I don't know why that just dawned on me to do that after this week, but but it did. No, I'm Chalen. That's uh, Roy and I. We've heard lyrics. <laughs> Roy and I have had a, a, a conversation that's been going on for about three weeks now, and I was sitting here reading something as we were getting ready to hit record, and it dawned on me about the... <laughs> I used to think that the ACDC song, Dirty Deeds, Done Dirt Cheap, was Dirty Deeds and the Dunder Chief. So... I said, that's what I thought it was. You need a t-shirt. So, Well, there is a t-shirt that's got a want it poster. I found it the other day. That's got a want it poster on it. And on half of the want it poster, it has dirty deeds. And it has a guy dressed up in like the old outlaw. And then right. it's got the dunder chief on the other side. Both of them want it. So what you're saying is it's a common. Apparently, I'm not the only one that ever heard it. I know, actually. Uh, kind of like uh, there's a bathroom on the right for yeah. there's a bad moon on the rise. In fact, Fogarty, when he sings the old. Bad Moon Rising CCR song now in concert, he'll often throw that in. Well, I told you on the Premonition yeah, album. Actually, yeah, it's he, actually in there. Yeah. He actually did that. So anyway, so I didn't mean to disrupt where we were headed today and take our time, but I didn't mean to do that, but <laughs> I read something and it dawned on me. So Good to see you again. It's, good. Only, it's only been a, f- a few weeks, but it's been long enough that it's a little de- it, depressing. I had to record last Friday without you. And you close that episode, and I cannot believe you did not close the episode the way you should. If the king ain't on it, the king ain't in it. I don't know why you didn't close it that way. I knew you were going to do that. I don't know why. I mean, the whole time I'm thinking, you know, he's not closing this right. If the king ain't on it, the king ain't in it. Referencing the King James Bible. Speaking of the King James Bible, yeah. So, I mean, but great job. Uh, I mean, (laughs) in seriousness, great job bringing us up to where we at today well, currently well i don't know novel. if you caught at the beginning i said we were planning on recording two episodes last friday ourselves and that the first one was going to be on bible translation to be really short yeah you want to oh, golly so if it was actually an hour and 23 minutes but i edited it out down to uh one hour and 14 minutes that was good though uh, you know it's still I, I don't know why this has been brought to light this week i saw um several things on it this week on the i, I don't i don't know if they're past episodes or what but on the uh, the Gen Z Bible again. I, I hope that did not get brought back. I thought that was put to bed and gone. And who is the publisher? Is that Robin and Homan? No, uh, Lifeway. If, that, if I understand, that's, 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 yeah, that's, that's Lifeway. That falls under mistaken. Robin and Homan. And, and I may be wrong on that. If I am, I apologize. But I'm pretty sure it was Lifeway. But it got brought back to light again. Please but tell it was, me it won't happen. I don't. know. It was Todd Friel, but it, it may have if, been. A repeat. I was going to say if you've ever heard uh, him talk about it, and this was like about two years ago, and it was going to come out. I mean, I think they actually. Printed some editions for review, but it what never got it? released in the bookstores. Cat G, Big Rock, <laughs> Little Moon, or I, I don't, I don't really. <laughs> I 
I don't really remember. I just remember Cap G. That's, I don't. That's John one one. Yeah, referring it, to God. No, it was Cap Genesis one one. Oh, it was Genesis one one. Okay, in the beginning, Cap G. Yeah, Cap, that's it, it was Cap G. I don't know. I, it, it's not even Look, worth looking up. They call it a Gen Z Bible, but honestly, this guy is a, a pretender hipster, and he's probably a Gen Xer. He's, he's probably trying 50. exactly a Gen Xer, and he's trying to be hip, and he doesn't know what he's doing. Nobody actually talks like that. Both my kids are of that generation, and they don't speak that way. They really don't. Uh, it, it's a. I don't know. It, it's not. It, I don't. I've never heard anybody speak that way. Even young kids we've been around. Speaking of which. I was speaking of children, since the last time we recorded, you had a very unique opportunity, didn't you? Yes. Uh, last Sunday, actually, um, I got to baptize my daughter. Yeah. Uh, we spent a year... Um, going through it with her. Going through it with her. She would ask questions, and um, one thing I always encourage people is she would ask questions, and we would answer the questions. Uh, we would explain sin. We explained that we broken that broken God's law that but you didn't push it. this insta conversion no 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 <laughs> because we saw the development over a year my wife and I have reflected on this and we saw the the the, the development over a year of um, her asking questions and then the next thing would be you know have you seen my new baby doll and then we would stop the conversation yeah. I mean not I mean she stopped it and we would let her control the conversation I know that sounds ridiculous and people are right now screaming at the Radio going, I can't believe you didn't get her to repeat after me. No, no, I don't it, it live showed that, way. that her interest was was being piqued, but not to the point of actual understanding. Not, not she to had the point. not come to a knowledge. And, and so, um, so a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday night, uh, she come went to her mom, and uh, we we have a bedtime routine that we do with both our girls. And um, I was finished with my portion, and I was in the, our bedroom getting ready to go to bed, and. You know, here comes my little girl running through, and we immediately start talking about it. And it's clear she gets it. I, you know, I'm always cautious, too. You and I have had this conversation. My job as a parent is to when she gets in her teenage years, if she is rebellious, then to go, hey, you you made that profession, but you need to examine yourself right. at this point. See that you're in the faith. Yeah, because we can't all, all say, well, you said that prayer, you're good. You're just... You and know. that doesn't just go for kids and teenagers. Uh, goes for that all. goes for adults that have been going to church for fifty years. Yeah, you you need to examine yourself and and be cautious about that. I'm I'm I'm. We didn't make that up. Paul did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just examine yourself this is, to see if you're in the faith. Yeah this this isn't anything new. You no, know? but and, it's uh, it's really honestly that's a, that's good. That's a very heartening thing, and I I hope and pray that it's legit, just as you do. And I feel the same way about both of my children. They've both made a profession of faith, and I, I hope and pray they truly are converted and know what it means to be born again, born from above. Um, well, and then I got the pleasure of baptizing her. Yeah, that's the that, thing. That's, that was yeah. the part I was getting at. You yeah. got to baptize her. That's I got the, the pleasure where we... You know I was baptized by my father. Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, you told me that. And and we're... He got to baptize a couple of his kids. Well, and where we go, um, it doesn't have to be the... Um, I guess you could say the church or the deacons vote on who uh, bonafide is the word that was yeah. used to me. Yeah, and uh, you don't have to be. It, it's you know we see Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. He baptizes him um, in Acts chapter instantly. Eight. And instantly. you know, I, I just heard James White talk about that this week on one of the dividing lines, and he's like, he was like, "Look, guys, they were in the desert. This was some little mud hole." Oh yeah, but he baptized him. But he baptized him. The guy was so inst- instantly overwhelmed with the fact. Okay, you've told me what this means. I've already accepted Jesus. So now I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. I want it now. And so I like the idea of not waiting. So you know, we kind of take the thing if, if fathers are in Christ and in the faith, and they want to baptize the kids. I don't. 
and I was told there was no problem with it. And yeah. I was immediately asked if I would like to baptize my daughter. And I, um, absolutely, you know, without a doubt. My daughter and I had a, uh, a good time in the back. We had a good time conversating about things and, and asking the questions. We, we just had a good, good conversation back there. So it was good to get to see her and uh, it was good to get to baptize her. And it, it was really good to get to see the, how she approached things and was, and was happy about things. It was really good. Well, I'm just, congratulations. I'm just happy. Um, when, uh, when we recorded last time, we had some major sound failures with those clips. I'm not promising anything. Actually, I can't fix it. I'm sorry. Pulling back the curtain a little bit. I recently purged my computer and I got rid of a lot of sound files, including the raw files for a lot of our episodes. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. And that includes that episode. I was going to say we might be able to go back and punch in an edit and try to fix that sound because we now know how to record properly. Just so you know, folks, we didn't know exactly what we were doing. It was an experiment. Some of those sound clips came out horrible. Uh, maybe someday we can record, re-record it or something. I don't know. Or well, now you can hear the but, clarity oh, that yeah. comes with it, such as this good Jesus clip. was not a bartender! Amen. So now you can come in and get the clarity with I'm, those clips? I'm glad he clarified that for oh. me. I didn't know that Jesus was not a bartender. And what's bad is I'm on the soundboard over here. <laughs> but, but, I'm, but I'm excited about the fact that we will be able to do stuff like this. In fact, today on one of our subjects, you've got, a, you've got some sound clips. So we're going, to, I, I, we're going to incorporate it. Actually, I think I've only got one sound clip that oh, okay. we'll do because it is a rather lengthy one. But right. we'll probably pause and look through it. And, and what we're going to be discussing today is um, the middle of June. I don't remember the dates. It's been a little while since we we've recorded. titled this another potpourri episode. Potpourri this episodes. is just current events, things are going on that have been, as I mentioned last week, kind of bugging me in my soul, and I wanted us to talk about them. And you, you found you found a clip that actually well, clarifies what I'm talking about. I didn't know about this story. Yeah. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't. So our first topic is the Southern Baptist Convention was held in June, in the middle of June, and this is now in July third as we record on Saturday, July third, so, and we're talking about something that occurred a couple weeks ago. But they held what was probably the largest convention of the SBC ever. Oh, I didn't attendance. catch that. I didn't yes, realize it was. it was that. I didn't it was catch the most the attended because remember something. People felt like this was, okay, okay, just take last year's presidential election, the 2020 election. You had the largest turnout ever in a modern election. Okay, think about this. So that's the largest American mm-hmm. election ever. More votes were cast for the then-seated president, Mr. Trump, than for any winner, winning president in history, and he still lost still lost the election and so that means biden president biden current president got even more votes so that was the largest election ever apparently with the sbc this was the largest election ever and for the same reason people were at at odds over what direction to take the the convention and where to move the sbc and surprise surprise the progressives aka liberals they call themselves moderates won well let's back up to 2019 because in 2019, there was a fear of a woman becoming president of the SBC. Al Mohler, I think, did a, a wonderful job of covering this question because we got to look at the description of the job of the SBC president. And yeah. one of those jobs is to preach and teach, which then immediately rules out a woman being that in, in yeah. that role. According to the Baptist faith and message. According, or, or heaven help according to scripture. Right, but I'm just saying, I'm pointing out, this is a denomination that actually has it in Dang. their recently revised, I guess you would call creed. They just call it the Baptist faith and message. And when that update occurred, they put in specific language about, about genders and how, yeah. they, and how they operate within the uh, ecclesiology of the church, at least for SBC-affiliated churches. And so... This is 
not surprising then that a good portion of people said, wait a minute, and the person they were referring to is Beth Moore. We don't want to see that happen. And she has since And she has since the, departed. We mentioned that in an earlier episode uh, this year. She left the SBC outright. Yeah, just... just and just, she's really gone woke. I, I don't know. I haven't followed where she went, where she ended up. I know she was, she was preaching Mother's Day and Andy Stanley, wherever he's a pastor at, somewhere, I think Atlanta, maybe, outside of Atlanta suburb. But So... If you go back to 19, that was the fear. Yeah. The fear was that was what was in her. And so. And in 2020, they used COVID as a catch all to prevent even having a convention. And Greer is. Illegally, basically, against their own constitution, no, received an extra year. Yeah. No vote, no nothing, no, just all of a sudden, you know, here he is. And they had the vote the first night. If I'm, and I may butcher this because I don't, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I just don't follow it. I mean, yeah. I just don't. I frankly don't care anymore, you know, because they've just went this political route of woke and critical race theory. And so I, I, I've just stepped back and don't, well, don't follow a lot. Well, technically, you and I belong to Southern Baptist Convention affiliated churches, have loosely. in the past and still, well, and now still do. But the one that we're currently attending, uh, of where you're a member, is very, I would say it's tangential. It's yeah, just a loose affiliation. They're technically involved, but they don't really like. They sent no one there. No, no, we had nobody to go. Uh, that sort of thing. Um, and we follow it, you know, close to see what happens because if it goes anything anti-scripture or against scripture, sure. yeah, then we've got to make some decisions. Well, that's where but, you and I have been. We've been talking about this in our personal life, not on this show, but we've been talking about this on our personal life since about 2017, 2018, about how we were we were. Fearing, that that's where it was headed. To which I'll speak for me, and I think I can speak for you. I don't have to be part of the SBC. No, I do not. I don't. No, I do not. I, I think I said in the last episode we recorded where we were talking about the IFB movement, I said I am only, I'm Baptist in name only, basically, right now. And it's because I'm Baptist in the sense of the historical Baptist narrative, which is believer's baptism. Sure. Credo as, a, as opposed to pedo baptism. And so through all this, we have Al Mohler. Ed Litton, and I do not remember the other gentleman's name. Mike Stone. Mike Stone. The the, the real conservative. And he was really conservative. Al Mohler's kind of in the middle, I would say. Uh, but, however, I, I love Dr. Mohler. Dr. Mohler was who I was He's hoping theologically for. reformed and conservative, which main, puts him always has put him a little bit odd, but at odds with the mainstream. Of the Southern Baptist Convention, of which he's very loyal to, and he's the he's the president of, of the, Southern Theological uh, Seminary in you know, Louisville. Yeah, he's the president of the, of the premier Baptist you yeah. know seminary. And so I, I, I mean, me personally, I was hoping for Al Mohler. I knew in conversations with you and I that it wasn't going to happen. I mean, it just no. They were never but I was hoping, I was hoping for Stone. Yeah, and so we hope for Stone, and and so they cast the first vote. Nobody has the majority enough to be able to do it, and then it ends up in a runoff between Stone and Al Moore. Didn't even make the second no, vote. It, no. it comes down to Stone and Litton, and then Litton wins. It's not a landslide, but apparently all the votes that I'm not going to say all the majority of the votes that went for Moeller apparently went to Litton. Is uh, what had well, to a smear campaign was used against Mike Stone. It, it was, and it started the night, was it the night before, I believe? Well, this it, the it Twitter. actually been going on for about a month. But it really ramped up the night before. There was some they're, really They're accusing him tweets. of, well, honestly, the same thing you could accuse other pastors and of other denominations as well as Baptists, but also uh, even of colleges and universities, seminaries in, within the SBC that have supposedly covered up sexual misconduct yep. by theologians, professors, and pastors and youth pastors 
and music ministers, etc., etc. And of course we know this has happened. It's happened everywhere, from the, from the Catholic Church on down to your local congregation, and including those independent fundamentalists. Everybody has had sex scandals and other types of controversies, money, laundering, all sorts of things, right? Abuse of power, and just even sometimes psychological abuse and control of their, of their, of their parishioners. So this is not new. Every denomination's got the issue, and has had the issue, but he was being accused of being part of a concerted effort to cover up some stuff. And they used this one pitiful woman, and I won't go into all that, but they did use this one woman to try to really harass him in public and make him look bad. And I feel sorry for her because she was a pawn. And I also feel sorry for Stone because he was bushwhacked, to use an old term. Sure. And, and then we progress past this smear campaign. We come out of the convention with Lytton. And, Smiling Ed Lytton gets the... Uh, and we're all sitting there shaking our head going, how did this... How did it's a it's a camel's nose under the tent for lack of a better term it's the Trojan horse we we now are the SBC has now entered into the world of woke culture absolutely everything goes now we're you, you know Greer was quoted as saying it's not homosexuality that sends you to hell and he's right in that statement it, it's that's not what sends you to hell no. I will, I will affirm that statement it's your however it's your rejection of Christ yes. That sends you to hell. It's that that's we're only we're only introduced to one unpardonable, unforgivable, unforgivable sin to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and that is, and to, that reject. is to reject Christ when you but, have been called for to repentance, and you say and you know it, and that you, you are away. lost in your sins, and you say, like like the like the 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 guy in Rome says to Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian, almost. Oh yeah, I mean, and Paul he walks has away, that, so that man still dies and goes to hell. Agrippa. But he had a chance, yeah. Paul, Agrippa. Paul before Agrippa, yeah. and he had a chance to be saved, and he and he blew it. And he goes through this whole litany of things, and Paul preaches the gospel, gives the gospel, and he goes, "You almost persuaded me to be a Christian." Mm-hmm. And 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 so, or as the King James would say, "Almost thou persuadest me." Go ahead. What the Gen Z Bible said on that one. Dude, you almost had me there. That's probably <laughs> what it says. No, that's probably okay, what it says. There dude. you go. Dude, you almost had me there. <laughs> Close. Uh, nah. Close. Uh, ain't feeling it. No. I ain't, it ain't jelly. <laughs> I'm making a fool of myself. Let's oh, move my on. My word. Let's move uh, on. So, I don't even remember where we were. My street slang is 20 years oh, old. Oh, it's, it's terrible. I'm, I'm genetic. I can't baby. even regroup myself at this <laughs> point in time. So we see him say of almost persuaded you. So we we Greer's right in his statement. I agree with his statement. However, where we differ is it's living an unrepentant lifestyle, no matter what that sin may be. Yes. I don't care what the sin is. I don't care if, if you're constantly having an affair on your wife. And and when I say this, it's not that we are sinless once we're saved. It is that we try to fight and mortify those sins. If we don't see the struggle or you don't possess a struggle. We may not see it. it. It may be a lot of times that's probably stuff that happens in your private time. Or you're you know, con- let's let's take it down to something that's much simpler. You're constantly getting drunk. You're blowing money on alcohol that could go to to feed your family, and you're abusing your family either through being by being angry and 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 slovenly drunk, or whatever reasons that occur, getting into fights, other things, cursings, those things that come out of that. It doesn't just have to be a sexual sin. It can oh, be no, other yeah. lifestyle problems. You have those problems, check your salvation. You're oh, you, in rebellion it, it, to God. It could even be simpler than that. You could be a, a, a habitual liar. Yeah. You know, and you just don't care. Yeah, you'll you you'll lie lies. whatever you need to do. And and so what? And what does it say? Liars? Yeah. Have I mean, there's a laundry the, list. The inferno. 
There's a there's a there's a laundry list there, just a a big list of things given. So is this going? What I'm are you heading towards? What Greer says in that sermon? So about that? that no, Romans no, no, no. That the was, Bible only whispers about sexual yes. immorality and homosexuality. And apparently, it, it only no, whispers about plagiarism. It's too. explicit. Folks. And apparently, it only whispers about plagiarism. Well, let's get to that. See, Lytton wins, okay, and he wins. You know. De- a decent enough margin that there's it actually was fairly close you are right I'm, I'm, if i'm not mistaken on the actual numbers i think it was really close but it's not enough i guess it's they don't have a system for like you contesting contesting the it so he's announced as the as the pres- new president within days within days we have now our first controversy already reformation charlotte broke the story this is on the verge i agree with, i will agree with james white this is basically scandal yeah, Re- Reformation Charlotte, I'm almost positive, broke this story, and it was um, June... Well, I'll be honest with you, I've got a Newsweek article pulled up. No, then, <laughs> so, it, I mean, then it's going, when, it's when, gone viral, as they say, it's everywhere. When it broke, and I, I'm pretty sure Reformation Charlotte broke the story, but when it broke, MSN got it, Newsweek got it. CNN. Everybody got it. Now, I'm going to say this, when we go into our study to study, I always still believe in the fact I want to check what my thought is because if it's new, it's not true. I've I've said that a million times. However, when we go into our study, we may have uh, lexicons laid out in front of us. We may have theological dictionaries laid out in front of us. Uh, we may have the Greek New Testament laid out in front of us. Or multiple the, or, translations or, uh, multiple in English. Translations. Commentaries. Uh, I typically have anywhere from 12 to 20 commentaries, depending on what it is. And I mean, there are certain books of the Bible that... You're trying to cover your bases. Yeah, there are certain books of the Bible that, you know, I, I, I may use... I, one of my Two of my favorites are Baker Exegetical Pillar, or three of my favorites, and the New American Commentary. New American Commentary has pretty much got every book covered. However, Pillar and Baker, still, there's, there's, there's a lot of holes in yeah, there. Yeah, they still have So I may not gaps. be able to pull from them uh, to be able to see what they've got. But I've still got all these commentaries spread. I mean, I'm going to read each one individually. And as I go, I'm, I'm making notes. This is not prescriptive. This is just describing what I do. I'm making notes about each each sermon. And I will confess, I will not consult MacArthur till last I just will not. You don't want to be biased towards mm-hmm. his belief because you 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 are. I love Bill MacArthur. You, yeah, I was going to say. Let's face it. You and I both really kind of. Uh, well, we honor his opinion. The man's sure. been doing this for so long. You can't ignore that. He's well, got a lot of biblical experience, and he's been willing to admit when he's made mistakes. Sure, and I and I get that, and I and I get that. I don't want to say discipline. I don't know what what what, what word you want to use there. From Phil Johnson, because Phil Johnson, one of his favorites was Charles Spurgeon. So he had to And so wait. he would not consult Spurgeon until after he kind of, not maybe put it on paper, but he compiled his list of notes. Then he would consult Spurgeon. I mean, he has a whole website. I was going to say to the point that he's got a website devoted to Spurgeon. The Pyromaniacs, I yeah, think, is devoted, like to, devoted to Spurgeon. Yeah. And so. And, and if, if people don't know who Phil Johnson is, he is part of Grace. Um, and he is actually... He's MacArthur's editor. He's, he edits the books that MacArthur writes. Tell that story MacArthur said in that one uh, thing. They had a Q&A one time, and and, and uh, Phil's sitting up there, and he's asking the questions. And, and they do the Q&A in front of the church a lot. They, they try to do it uh, once a month, every, twice I a year or something. I love to watch those. And uh, so they're doing this Q&A, and Phil's sitting up there asking questions. But this was one of like his 50-year service, and they were just talking through ministries, and they were talking through books, and... John said, yeah. He said, uh, you've told the story on me. Let me tell you something on you. And he says, um, I've got to be careful 
when I give you my book. And you see Phil kind of, Phil knows where he's going with this, kind of perks up. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and he says, uh, because I'll, I'll, I'll write the book and, I, and, you know, we write the book and it's been edited and I'll hand it to you to, to revise it. He said, I learned very early on I've got to read that book when you hand it back to me. He said, because I would read it and I would go, I don't remember saying that. And he said, <laughs> I would look at it and I'd go, I really do not remember saying that. Phil's not just editing, he's editorializing. And, and, and he said, <laughs> and Phil would add in what he thought needed to be said, and he would go to Phil and go, I didn't say that, did I? No, 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 I added it in. It needed to be said. Well, I want it there. And, and so he said, and it, but it, you see these two, and it's a it's a loving relationship, and feels like, you know, you're the one writing the book, and you're the one with the audience, so I figured I would add it to it. And I bet you some of them stay in. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I bet they do. I'm, I'm sure, and I, I don't know that statistic, but you know, but I'm sure it does. But you know, and and what's ironically, what's ironic is if you listen to a lot of those guys from Grace, and if you listen to any of those guys teaching on a particular subject, it'll fall along with MacArthur's teaching a lot. It, it just well, look, when we all line up, there's going to be similarities. Well, I think it was probably back in 2019, and I was in the middle of uh, Revelation, and you gave me a book by. Uh, Oh, Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers. And you said, read what he says about chapter, I don't know, six or seven on Revelation. And, and I was reading it and I was like, okay. So I incorporated that. I, yeah. I made a quote from that book, but I gave you the credit in class. Yeah. I said, this week, Chalen gave me this book, told me to read this portion. And I, I wound up reading the whole book, actually. <laughs> it was a pretty good book. I wound up reading the whole book. Um, definitely pre-meal. But anyway, I, I, I read the whole book and uh, liked it, but I used, I, I took, notes and wrote quotes down from certain chapters of the book that I used later. But I credited you and Adrian Rogers both because you had a discussion about, I'd never seen this and I think he's right. And I also think he's wrong here. And it made me think about some stuff. So when I was incorporating that into the class, I just said, this came from a conversation and a book that Chalen loaned me. Yeah, and, it and, and that's what you do. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not plagiarism. But in fact, that's giving credit where credit's due as you're supposed to do. But that's not what Ed Litton's been accused of, no. correct? What happens is, over 140 of his sermons have been removed from the it's, church's website. If I'm not mistaken, I read this morning. And from Sermon Audio. Is it it's up to up 200? To 200. Well, this article from Newsweek is last week. So yeah, it's, it's, it's if I'm not mistaken, I, I read this morning as I was kind of watching a YouTube clip, and I think it was Bible Thumping Wingnut was talking about 200, <laughs> I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. And uh, it's a sad, scary. And we so now we don't know what was in all those sermons, but we have enough to know that there were some that are just well, word for word plagiarism. We have a clip of somebody that we we didn't edit this. We did not put this video together. Right. This is from a YouTube page that uh, somebody had a painstaking uh, duty of listening to apparently these a couple sermons. This one is particular is on um, Romans eight. Okay. Um, you're the first voice that you're going to hear. So I'll you will pause this probably throughout as we go. Uh, the first voice you're going to hear is six minutes and fifty seven seconds. Um, video. Okay. The first voice that you'll hear speaking is that of J.D. Greer. Now you played me a, like a 60, I, we, we sampled 60 this second or so clip we, just to make sure we could record our it. Our sound was right, and I said that's J.D. Greer speaking, and you're yeah. like, yeah, that's J.D. Greer speaking. So I want to be upfront on who this is. Now, the only question I've got, I guess, and maybe this is easily answered, I guess, are we sure J.D. taught it first? 
Now, that is the one thing I haven't, I'm assuming everybody checked those references to make sure it was taught. I think he did, and I'll tell you why. I think Roman the Romans 8 sermon is one that uh, James White talked about about two years ago, about in 2019. That's what I thought. And I think it comes from July of 2015. That's so what I was thinking. Roughly six years ago. I was thinking, and, and the Ed Littons is a fairly new yeah. uh, sermon series. James White talked about this. I'm pretty sure James White talked about this. Ed Litton has a, apparently a team of sermon writers. Who has that kind of staff? I, I don't get that. I don't understand that. I have a... I have an argument that I want to make about this that bothers me is because, and I thought of this this morning as I was showering, and that is not only who has the time to do it, who has who has the money and the resources to do that, but that's not your calling. No, if you're a called man of God. Every man is every man, woman, and child who is born again is required to give an account for every every word and every thought and everything they ever say or do. When you're handling the Word of God in the sense of you're going to expound it in front of people. As a teacher, as a preacher, as an evangelist, you have a responsibility, a higher responsibility than people that don't do that publicly. Why? Because in their private devotion time, that's different than you getting out and expounding it in person to people. He has a responsibility. I mean, and from a very pragmatic point of view, my Lord, he's on staff. He's paid to do this. Not that that's the reason he should do it. No. He should do it because if he's really a called out man of God who's been separated to do this thing, this work. Then he has a he should be committed to the scriptures and to his flock enough to actually take the time to do the work. Yeah, he's I, not doing the work, Jalen. Yeah, and there's there, there's some other things here. He he literally uses the verbatim illustrations. Yeah, I was listening to James White yesterday, and he was saying he gave a story. I don't know if it's what's going to be in this. Oh yeah, no, we're getting ready to get it. Let's just just play it. Let's just let's just play. Yeah, let's just start it. Go ahead. So this once again, J.D. Greer. You'll you'll hear the voice changes. I may talk over the first one. Just say this is Ed. Okay, so just so we know when we're voice changing. So here we go. First one's J.D. Greer. Uh, We'll get through this as quick as we can. Once again, this is a YouTube uh, user has put this together. We'll give you a warning here that this might be the toughest week that we will have in the book of Romans. Romans 1, the end of it is tied in difficulty only with Romans 5, Romans 9, and Romans 11. This may be one of the toughest passages we face in the book of Romans. This is the steep climb I talked about. So in fact, let's just sort of loosen things up right now. Everybody turn right now. So even as J.D. Greer and Ed Litton both introduce the sermon and really not even introduce the context of the sermon. They're not introducing the context of the message. They're not introducing the purpose of the message. They they really haven't even stated the passage that they're going to go through. They just say this is going to be the most difficult week that you have, and I guess they're both probably involved in a, in a, um, a study of Romans, and they're at this portion. Maybe that's kind of the, the background there, but even how they introduce today's going to be a rough day, they introduce it the same. I mean, he can't even have his own uh, good morning congregation. And, you know, today's going to be one of those sermons that we tread in uh, some territory that make people uncomfortable, Doesn't they don't like. No, no, no. We're just going to even copy that portion. To your neighbor, look him in the eyes. If you know them, if you know them, put your hand on their shoulder and say, this is going to be a really tough week for you, Okay. And tell them, say, I'm praying for you to have the faith and humility to receive this word. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now. And I, I want you to say, I know this sermon is going to be really tough for you, but I'm here praying that you will listen and obey whatever God says. Go ahead, do that right now. But y'all. 
not only do we introduce our sermons the same way, but when we open up with the old adage of, uh, you know, what, three points in a joke or three points in a poem, we're even going to now rob the joke off the guy as they introduce the sermon. Once again, now we're back to J.D. Greer. We believe that God's word is good, do we not? You see, we believe that God's word is good. Now the thing we say every day, we've got to even copy and put it this place. This is ridiculous. In some of my travel. Hey, at least their slides are different. Oh, visually? See, I, I, I don't, visually, I don't yeah, see you're not screen, seeing visually yeah. slides. Their slides are different. I, I, I'll give credit where it's due. <laughs> go for okay, it. J.D. Group. Okay. So overseas, I'll, I'll go into these temples that are erected to a foreign god. I remember being in one of them um, a, a while ago over in uh, somewhere um, uh, in Asia. And Paul David Tripp is a favorite pastor of mine to read. He's a pastor in Philadelphia. Uh, he was on a mission trip to Nepal. And he went, he was taken by a missionary into a temple. And there was uh, a... So did Paul Tripp go to the temple or did J.D. Greer go to the temple? Now, I've got a question inside that one within yeah, itself. I did, yeah. did, did J.D. use a sermon illustration, not give the credit yeah. to who it goes? Did J.D. go? I don't know. I, I have no idea the answer to yeah, that. no way of knowing. No way of knowing that. I don't even know if Paul Tripp even said it. <laughs> yeah, I, at this point, everything that is going on right now is questionable. J.D. Greer again. Go in this temple. It's this gigantic, I mean, beautiful temple. And right in the middle of it is a, about a 25-foot statue of a, a goddess who has multiple breasts and, and multiple arms. And, you- and he said, and I, I will not go into details, but he does explain it, uh, that there was an idol in the center of this temple. He said it was one of the most grotesque things he's ever seen. Watch these. So really the only thing he did there was just instead of going that had sure. multiple breasts, and sure. all, he just said it's grotesque and I won't go into it. Yeah. Yeah, they're obviously talking about the same subject. All right, well, uh, back to J.D. Greer again. Worshippers come in, and they would prostrate themselves before this statue, and many of them were very emotional. Many had traveled a lot of miles to get uh, to this. Um, very poor, some of them, and taking the little money they had and pouring it out and offering before this statue of this God. And I- but what really turned his stomach wasn't the shape of the idol. It was how people were bowing down to it, kissing it, putting money on it. He met a family that had walked for four months to get to this idol. Later, finding myself just going back over that incident Stop. in my mind and, and feeling sorry for the people. That- okay, Greer literally said, myself, as if it's him, in Lytton's work. It's Paul Tripp. He says Paul it's, Tripp. it's Paul David Tripp, which we know who he is. Yeah, he's a writer and preacher. My goodness, they're both lying, aren't they? I, you know, and I can't, well, I can't Looks say like that. It. I, mean, I, I, don't, well, okay, I don't know. I, I'm just saying, something's off. I don't know, and, and, and maybe I don't have a good explanation. Cause and you know when I watch this, I never saw anybody question that. Maybe 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 I'm the only one reading too much into this. I don't, I don't know. But for me, it was like, well, who went? Did Paul David Tripp go? And it is possible that J.D. Greer and him both happened to go in the same tem- the same temple uh, on on that they could have been together. I, I don't know. They really. I mean, that is that is plausible that that could have happened. So I, I'm not going to. I, all I'm going to say is, and my mind says Lytton could be saying, I got to be careful not to completely quote verbatim even though he did at the beginning uh mr greer so what i'll do is i'll bring in someone else who was on the mission trip other than him i'll bring in i'll I'll bring in literally trip (laughs) that that is a possibility that because i'm 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 certain these guys probably run in the same circles so they're all big names yeah so and actually in modern evangelicalism because trips books and stuff he's like he's kind of like batterson and some of them others you you read his idleman you see their books francis chan don't read them um (laughs) So what I'm saying is 
it, it is possible they were on the same mission trip. So it, it is it is possible for what was just said, where J.D. Greer was there and Paul David Tripp was on the same trip with J.D. Greer. I mean, that, yeah, that's very that, possible. that is something within the realm of possibility. All right, with J.D. Greer here. There and thanking God kind of in my heart that I wasn't, I wasn't like them. But and he walked out of that temple saying, thank God I'm not like them. Then in the middle of that thought, it just occurred to me. I had a whole list of things in my heart that have taken God's place just like that statue had. When the Spirit of God said, Paul... You are exactly like them. I have a problem with the Spirit of God actually just speaking verbally. I, I mean, I, 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 no, move I, on. I mean, oh, come on. I mean, if you want to hear the Bible, if you want to hear God speak out loud, just read your Bible out loud. Sure. Anyway, go ahead. I, I compared it to if the earth were to say to the sun, I am sick and tired of you being in the middle of the solar system. If the earth were to ask the sun in our solar system, I'm sick and tired of floating out here in nothingness surrounding you constantly. I want to be the center of this solar system. The sun might just say to the earth, all right, have it your way. The earth is 30,000 times smaller than the sun and would not have the ability to keep all the planets in orbit. And so the solar system would begin to unravel simply because the sun gave to the earth what it asked for. Folks, our entire solar system would fall apart. Why? Because the earth doesn't have the power of light and it doesn't have the power of gravitational force to hold this solar system in existence. Okay, oh, so... Sexual disorder. He's just simplifying it, but they're both saying the same thing. They're obviously just... Golly, man, it's just crazy how close it is. Oh, we're only halfway through. Wow. <laughs> oh, now, we're getting into the points. Okay, go for it. First one, J.D. Greer. That was the first thing, verses 26 and 27. Now we've got economic disorder. There, there's economic disorder. Look at verse 20. Go ahead. I mean, word for word, he starts out with what? Sexual disorder and then economic disorder. And then you hear I mean, at least, parroting it. It's at the least say thing. they had money problem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Go for it. 29. Social disorder. He says there's social disorder. Social disorder, just think Facebook. Uh, and that's just on Facebook. Uh, then you got spiritual disorder. There's spiritual disorder there. You could think of that as family disorder. You and there's family disorder. They disobey their parents. You see, there are three ways I see us really going wrong with this in the church at large. Three I'm going to tell you three ways I think we've gone wrong. Number one, and one, we believe that God doesn't really care about this. First one is that we don't think God cares about this issue. We make The gospel message is not let the gay become straight. The gospel message is let the dead become alive. And the gospel message is not let the gay get straight. The gospel message is let the dead come to life. Which leads me to the second way that I see us going wrong here. Number two, we think it's the worst sin. Here's the second thing I think we do, we go wrong at, and that is thinking homosexuality is the worst of all sins. Jen Wilkin, who's one of our favorite Bible teachers here and who's actually leading our women's conference, she said, she said, we ought to whisper about what the Bible whispers about and we ought to shout about what it shouts about. And the Bible appears more to whisper when it comes to sexual sin compared to its shouts about materialism and religious pride. In the Bible, sexual sin is whispered compared to the shout God makes about greed. And judgmentalism. Really? Know where he stands on that. Really? Sodom and Gomorrah? Life, you see him demonstrating great, just incredible sympathy for those caught in sexual sin and great animosity toward the religiously proud. Jesus forgave prostitutes, 
but he was harsh with religious materialists. And he told them not fact, to sin Jesus and continue in that not life. One time ever said that it was difficult for the same sex attracted to go to heaven. He did say it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle, eye of a needle, than it was for a religiously proud or materialistically successful person to enter into the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, he said it would. No, he whoa, said. Whoa, 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 yeah. He said a rich man. He said a rich man. He, he, because the rich man is self-satisfied, self-fulfilled. Yeah, I'm sort of saying, hold up. That's not what hence, that says. Hence the example of the man, and we talked about this during the week, but not because of this, something totally different, of the man that says, I'll build, I'll tear down my barns and build new ones. I'll do this, I'll do this. And God says, you're a fool, and tonight your soul is required of you. There's so many things wrong with the stuff they're talking about. Does it whisper of, of, of sexual sin? Really? Would Sodom and Gomorrah and the ten cities related to that feel the same way? Would they tell you that God whispers about sexual immorality and, and rape? And homosexuality and everything else that went on in that in that community where it was ordained because it was ordained it was publicly accepted and known. Uh, Hence the term sodomy, which is a crime, a uh, felony in the state we live in. Go for it. It'll be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one of these. Only when we grasp, only when we grasp this truth will we become ministers of the gospel. When we understand, like Paul did, that we are the worst sinner that we know. Only then, when you, only when you understand that, will you understand that if Jesus came to die for you, that there's nobody he didn't die for. Stop. We can't. True. Book of Romans. True. Paul begins to tell them in, in 1 Corinthians of all the things that happened, prostitution and all the other things people sleeping with family members, doing all these horrible things. And then he says, and such were, past tense, some of you, you, you current brethren in Christ, okay? The brothers and sisters in Christ. So Paul is not saying that any of those sins can prevent you from being born again. No, he's saying you must be born again so you can get away from those sins. And why? And you will get away from those sins once you are truly born again because the Spirit now lives in you and he will not cohabit with, with, with the decaying flesh that is still perverted. It's not that homosexuality is the worst sin. All sin is the worst sin. That's the only thing they've said that I agree with. All sin will send you to hell. Yeah, How many sins does it take to go to hell? One. But even and they you're say, born into sin. Even that they say and back up on almost immediately. Well, and you remember the cheering that occurred when he said, you know, uh, you're not being being made from gay to straight. I agree because you won't be made gay to straight on your own. But if you are born again, your your desires will change. In everything, folks, not just sexual orientation and attraction, your desires will change about not being a crook, not being a thief, not being a liar and a cheat, not being an, an habitual hater. Yeah, you'll give up hate and all the other things you have. You won't do it instantly, but you'll begin to see that progression change. Your heart's desires will change. It's called sanctification. Well, you and I like a term... Perseverance of the Saints. It's a political it, statement. I'm sorry, but both Greer and Littner are making political statements trying to uphold the fact that we've got to oh, em no. embrace and hug people. No, no, I no disagree this being political. I think it is. Here's he the reason. wanted to get woke cookies, as John Cooper likes yeah, to say. Here's the reason podcast, I say it's Cooper's not political. Stuff. It's a popularity contest. That's what I'm talking about. I, that's it, that's it, political. It's, Socio-political, it, okay? It, yeah. They want to be accepted. But it's not a political. They're trying to get wokeness into it, the church. And... and the problem is we backed up on sin and, and we backed up on things. And, you know, I think the problem we have today in modern evangelical circles is we use the term once saved, always saved. I cannot stand that term. Yeah. I like the perseverance of the saints. And as Vody Balcom so eloquently states, when you get saved, they're right. You can do anything you want. 
your want to just changes. Yeah. And I think Vody Balcom says it better than there, anybody. When there it comes is to legitimate that. eternal security because there's security in Christ. But first, you must be secured. You must be saved. Go listen to John MacArthur's um, "The Doctrines of Grace." He does uh, about ten hours worth of sermons on the doctrines of Gra- uh, doctrines of grace. You can find it on his website. Listen to it. Go through it, and it talks about that how your your changes, your disposition has happened, and go through it. But we'll, are we'll, we done with this? Because oh, I mean, we've no. got enough. No, no, no. We've said we're, about all I'm re- really wanting to say about it. Oh, no. Ever said that it was difficult for the same sex attracted to go to heaven? He did say it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle, eye of a needle, than it was for a religiously proud or materialistically successful person to enter into the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, he said it would be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Than for one of these. Only when we grasp, only when we grasp this truth will we become ministers of the gospel. When we understand, like Paul did, that we are the worst sinner that we know. Only then, when you, only when you understand that, will you understand that if Jesus came to die for you, that there's nobody he didn't die for. We can't grasp this gospel till we confess with Paul these words. In 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, this is a trustworthy saying deserving full acceptance that Christ has come into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Here's the third way that we go wrong. Number three, assuming it's hard for LGBTQ people to get to heaven. Thirdly, we go wrong thinking LGBT people can't go to heaven. It's hard for any of us. Yeah. Matthew seven thirteen, Luke thirteen twenty four. Those talk about the narrow packet. Those talk about the narrow path to heaven, the narrow gate, the narrow door. We we see many times that that when Luke uses that word, if I'm not mistaken, the word is agonizomai. It's going to be agonizing. It's going to it's going to require work. It's going to require stripping everything that you are, stripping everything off, the love of self, the love of anything in the world, the lo- the, the love of the world, the lust of the flesh, the, the the pride of life, all those things that we see that encompasses every sin that could possibly happen. It's going to have to be stripped down. You come to Christ as the faith of a little child, and you agonizingly go through that gate. And when you go through that gate, you have a changed life, a changed disposition, and you come out of that a different person that is on the pathway to sanctification. There are curbs. There are boundaries. There are guidelines that keep you within those. You know where I stand on this. I'm very staunch on there is a it is it is hard for any of us because as Paul Washer said you take a self-righteous man a guy that loves himself and you promise him the world just like they're doing here of course he wants to do it because he loves himself nobody loves himself more than he does sure and this is essentially what you've you have easy believism yeah right here which is what we talked about I rail against all the time this idea of easy believism that it just takes you just got to believe and say this prayer repeat after me and now you're in the kingdom so many people are going to stand before Christ on the judgment day and he's going to say depart I never knew you how do we know because he said it he said it in and, and the word in the Greek that's translated into English many is many it means there will be several. It doesn't mean a few. And if he'd meant it for it to say a few people will come to me, he would have said it. He said many will come. And, and they're verbal professors. I mean, Lord, Lord. But they don't use it in the sense of the majesty and the the sovereign title. They use it as the master greeting and, and, no, and just a pleasant It's the name that you have taken. Yeah. I've taken that your name, Jesus. I'm a Christian. And, and But it's not in the sense that we see it used in Isaiah. 
or where they they are you know Isaiah uses that term for majesty. Well, I knew this would be title. a long episode, but we got to hurry up and finish this up. I got some more things I want to talk about. Homosexuality does not send you to hell. You know how I know that? Because heterosexuality does not send you to heaven. Homosexuality does not send people to hell. How do I know that? Because heterosexuality doesn't send people to heaven. Well, let's go. Rosaria Butterfield, whose story I've shared with you before here, she was a practicing lesbian, very outspoken professor of literature and women's studies at Syracuse University. She was a practicing lesbian in a committed lesbian relationship. A culture warrior on the far left. She said it was Romans 1 that brought her to faith in Christ. And then she said, and I quote, homosexuality is not the core of our rebellion against God. A desire to be God is. A desire to be the one who gets to declare good and evil, to play judge rather than be judged. A desire to use God's creation for our own gratification rather than with pleasure for his glory. And there you go. And I know who they're speaking of, by the way. I can't recall her name off the top of my head, but I've actually heard an interview with her. And look, Butterfield's her last name. Yes, that's right. Rosaria Butterfield. Look, she is a brilliant person. PhD in literature. Used to teach it. She used to be a women's study professor. She used to be a firebrand, lesbian, um, outspoken political champion for that cause. Now she's married to a pastor, a Presbyterian minister, and she's a very conservative Christian. And they're misusing her words. Oh, they are. Because they are misusing her, her words. You know, the desire to be God, they just don't apply that fully. Yes. She'll, she'll tell you, though, that the thing is, once once she was born again, the desire changed. Well, the want to change. You, you will not continue, continue, continue in sin if you have been <laughs> saved. We almost got the... Uh, changed. We almost got the polar opposite of what just happened. Sure. We almost switched over and started playing Dr. R.C. Sproul right there. Oh, well. <laughs> Which would have been a breath of fresh air. So... Okay, so let's just back it up. We could disagree with his theology, both of those guys' theology, and whoever wrote that sermon. Which I who, do. Whoever actually wrote that sermon. Let's you put know, it that way. You know what I want to guess? Because I don't is. know that either one of them wrote it. Yeah, I want to guess what it is. You know, I remember as a young pastor, not knowing any better, I didn't really have any guidance. You not you and I know that. I didn't really have much guidance, really much uh, what to do. And um, I began finding people like John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul and Honestly, one of the biggest influencers of me is Dr. Steve Lawson. I've told you that. Sure. You know, and um, I remember thinking, there, you know, you, you, you were trying to desperately grasp for straws. How are people putting this together? How are they doing it? There are sermon places that you can pay money, and they'll basically write the sermon for you and give you the whole outline, and you just print it off and study it and do it. It's pathetic. Yeah. Um, but obviously, they're in business. And obviously people pay to have it done. I've never spent a dime on it, but, but there was a time when I would have, because I didn't know any better. I mean, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Look, I mean, I can't remember the name of the website. Look, if you, know? you do that in college, you're kicked out. You forfeit all grants, all scholarships, all student loans. You're anathema oh, yeah. in, in, in any form of academia, but you can do this and be a pastor of a mega church. And then get a very prestigious position, supposedly, within the Southern, quote, largest denomination of evangelicalism in the United States of America, the Southern Baptist Convention. Here you have these two guys. Let's realize what we're dealing with. We're dealing with an unprecedented three-year term of J.D. Greer outgoing. And yeah, you have the incoming, he's he's already there, but incoming president, but he's new. So he's had the job for a couple of weeks. And they're the ones 
milking each other's theology and literally repeating each other almost verbatim, and in many cases verbatim, line for line, word for word, uh, in their sermons, and that's depressing to me. Well, you know, for all the reasons we've stated, for all the reasons, we, okay, well, forget the fact that their theology is crud, which it is. But beyond that, it's it's just the, the fact that they're 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 literally just parroting each other. Well, when okay, I'm at seminary. I'm finishing up a master's, and they when we write papers, they do not like for us to have long block quotations. You know, okay. short, simple quotes. Sure, but we can paraphrase. Then at the end of the paraphrase, when we get them paraphrasing, at the end of it, what do we do? We put a footnote. It references down at the bottom who I just paraphrased. But basically, I took what he said. You put it in your own words, your vernacular, if you will, saying the same concepts, and you footnote it. Sure. Because I still have to give credit where that credit is due when I write that paper. You've read my papers. Yeah. And I footnote that. There's paraphrasing done, and I footnote those at the end. If I don't footnote that... Then I paraphrase it, and, 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 and college professors are very quick. The research has been done. Any information that you don't commonly know in your own head from day to day, you got to paraphrase it somewhere. Sure. So if I'm writing about the church at Thessalonica and I begin to say that they're, uh, they were Thessalonica was named after uh, Alexander the Great's half-sister, which it was, yeah. I better paraphrase the source in which I got that. Now, I may have studied in the last five years, and that's common knowledge to me because I've studied about Thessalonica, or I've heard it, or, or you know what I mean. I better find the source that that come from and footnote what I just said. Sure. So, when we say all this, and I'm, I say all this, so that we may preach a sermon, and there may be things we've read that we've garnered knowledge there that we didn't have before, and we're getting it through our studies because it was Tom, Pastor Tom always put it to me, is great because we're reflecting our study for the week. When we present a sermon, present a message, we're reflecting what we studied on for the week, month, whatever, whatever it's taken to do that. We're reflecting that. And, and so all of that is not common knowledge that I had up here maybe when I began that. Right. It's gleaned. But I didn't, You've take, it. I didn't take somebody's sermon, <laughs> put in no work, and just say, uh, can, you, can you rewind that back? So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that all wrote down fast enough. I'm going to have to <laughs> make sure, make sure to highlight that. That's a really good point that I make sure to put that in. Uh, no, that's not what's going on, no, 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 no. but that's what happened there. Sure. No study was done by whoever copied who. Well, now the, the, the thing they're talking about in the news is you've got the, the liberal media saying it, it appears that the conservatives are going to use this as a push to try to have him step down. So that the first first vice president of the convention can take over. The first vice president was a supporter of Mike Stone and is an ultra conservative. And look, I, I heard, saying this, I, heard, I didn't even know that. I heard James White bring this up and he said, Yeah, that's exactly what they're trying to do. Of I, course they are. It, it'll probably he said it'll probably fail, but he said, We don't need to find all one hundred and forty of these messages to know something's wrong. One or two that have been recovered is enough. And some of these were recovered before they removed them. Oh, the, well, I just played. Yes, one. exactly. I know. Ed Litton's your SBC president for two years. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's not going anywhere, and and James White doesn't think he will, but no. he said he does think that is that the course the media is right that it duh that is what they're trying to do. Did you notice the term that I used? That's your. Yeah, your. <laughs> uh, I, will, I will say this. Um, this has nothing to do with any of what we just said, other than you said footnotes in your papers and things like that. 
Thank God for footnotes. I despise endnotes. There is a difference. And I have some books that are, have endnotes, and I hate that. Because I have to put a post-it note in different places so I can go back and forth between where I'm at on the page and if I figure out where they're at to read them. And I yeah, hate that. We... You're making me work twice as hard to read a book. Footnotes being out there are distracting enough because I have to read them. I can't skip them. I know you said sometimes you'll skip them and go back later. <laughs> there's no sometimes to it. I always skip the no, footnotes. No, man, sometimes there's treasures found in those footnotes. Well, okay. hold on. Let me back up. It depends on the length of the footnotes. Yeah. Because if it's a short footnote and it just says IBD, so oh, I, sure. know, I know it's it's already referenced. But if it's the long note footnote, then I'll read it. Sometimes there's block quotes in those. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If it's if it's that, I, I'll, I'll read that. Sometimes there's Greek lines from the New Testament, things like that. Yeah, okay. I'll read that. Moving on on our list, we finally got the first point. <laughs> we're going to touch on the next ones quick and we'll yeah we forward. will the other things i want to talk about is i know i bring this up a lot but we got to continue to do it the persecutions persist in canada uh and by the way Actually, it's, re- they, it's pastor tim stevens was the guy we were trying to refer the last time that we couldn't remember his name he's out of jail they yeah. took the fences down they're opening back up this just happened the last day or two yes it yeah. just happened that they're but, opening but back it up. should have never happened oh i agree but it, it should have never happened and the problem now is that it's not just in one town or, or two or three towns or a village it spread throughout alberta and it's it's moved into another uh province or two in canada yeah went to ontario yes uh started out in alberta kind of localized and then it went on but yeah thank praise god right now they're out uh he uh, 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 uh he is out of jail um Pastor Coates, I think the fence has been removed. They are opening back up. So, And just so you know, guys, you need to go and look up. Did you just call them goats? Yeah, it was an accident. Just Not the greatest of all guys, time, but the sheep and the goats. Look up, look this up, guys. Uh, this just happened a week or two ago. There, The IRS, the guy that's in charge of approving um, tax-exempt statuses. Oh, the 501 Yes, uh, the C3. 501c3. He denied it for a, a Christian organization, and he told them. Well, there's a shocker. By the way. He pointed out all of their beliefs and stated that they were biblical beliefs. So he's saying it's the biblical belief in biblical marriage, the biblical belief in various things. And then he brought up things like borders and immigration and other things. And he said, your views on this thing of which you are educating fellow Christians through your online service, uh, because it's an educational type service, is in line with the, the grand old party. The Republican Party, therefore, you're not tax exempt. Denied. They've had that tax exempt status for a few years. This should have just been a rubber stamp reapproval. That happens every year. And that's the first one. There'll be more to come, folks. A lot more to come. Let, let me let me just say this. I'm not defending. We know as pastors we can't really say anything political across the line. Whether they did or not, I don't know. I didn't I didn't I don't, I don't listen to it. So is he talking about they got political behind the pulpit? No. Okay. okay. This is an organization. Okay. Oh, it's not a church. No, it's, oh, no, it's an okay. organization. I thought you said it was a church. It's like a Christian Sorry. educational association that Sorry. does online ministry in which it just puts out there, it educates people on the on the issues and what's going on in various states for political purposes, how to... So how it would be something be like involved. what Al Mohler does, the, the, uh, a news briefing. Absolutely. So it would be something like what Al Mohler does. And okay, they I, have I been, misunderstood And you. they've been declined. They'll okay. be the first of many to come. It's basically going to say, and uh, by the way, I'm thinking this as I heard this, and I actually heard this on Al Mohler on the briefing because he just began his hiatus. But it was one day this week or one day yeah, last week, and he's talking about this. Now. I think it was last Friday when he was talking about it. And he says, my problem with that is if you're getting your – if you're denying people because their thing is in league with the, this organization, which is, an, which is an organization, not a church, is teaching things that are – and expounding um, 
free speech that is in league with the Republican Party, what do you do about other groups that's propaganda is in line with the Democratic Party? Shouldn't they be denied tax-exempt status because they're basically proselytizing for the Dems? He said it won't happen, folks, but that is a double standard, and absolutely it is. But it's coming, and it's going to get worse in the U.S. Uh, there's just no doubt about that. Uh, my other thing was, I don't know how much you know about the issues with the Supreme Court, you know, Robert Justice John Roberts tries to push for unanimous decisions as much as possible. That case that came before the court that was kind of controversial, it was about Catholic social services. Philadelphia had created an anti-discrimination law that seems to be lined up to attack faith-based organizations, whether they be Orthodox Jew, Muslim, no, Christian or you know Protestant or Catholic. Just religion. Catholic social services is one of the is probably one of the is probably the oldest in Philadelphia in existence that does adoptions and foster care and takes in children temporarily into foster homes. Okay. They said they couldn't operate unless they were willing to stick them in same-sex couples, transgender homes, things like that. And they said we can't. So they refused to comply because they said that's our very ministry is that's our religious belief. We are a religious organization. We won't capitulate. They were declined status. They appealed to courts. They were turned down by the federal district court. It made it all the way to the Supreme Court fairly quickly because this is a recent event. They fast-tracked it. Unanimous decision overturns it, sends it back to the state, and says, no, based on the wording of your law, it's obviously discriminatory. So they upheld freedom of religion and religious thought and conscience in that case, but it was a narrow ruling and I read some of the decision this morning, and it, believe me, I don't want it's it's legal jargon, but it is narrow. Another case, they could go just the opposite and uh, and uphold. It's going to be how how are these local governments going to write their their rulings? How they how are they going to write their legislation? If they write their legislation correctly, and they basically gave them the template for it, if they write it in a narrow way, the next case that comes up, the court will say yeah, and they'll they'll throw out religious liberty. So that's still in peril. The First Amendment encompasses pretty much everything that allows us to be able to freedom of worship, petition our government for redress of grievances, freedom of the press, freedom of speech and thought. It's it's all coming under fire, so keep your eyes on that. Secondly, abortion. Now, in, in 2020, the Justice John Roberts, you probably know about this case, they overturned the Louisiana state law that... Uh, declared that that the um, physician that was conducting an abortion had to have local operating privileges in a hospital in case oh, something yeah. went wrong. And they threw that law out and yeah. said it was unconstitutional because it hindered. And Roberts went with it, despite the fact that he had upheld a similar law in 2016. That made no sense to people. But that Roberts. one really ticked me off at the time. Well, guess what they just announced at the end of the session in, 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 in May and June in their final month, they announced that one of the cases they're looking at next um, session, which it's, they're off for the summer, is a case that is essentially a trial to see about overturning Roe versus Wade. I hope it, it happens. It's out of Mississippi. It's, it's the law that says 15 weeks or more, all abortions can't be performed for any reason other than last-ditch effort to save the mother's life. So that would end second and third trimester abortion. Uh, obviously, we want to end all abortions. We're not after just first trimester only. We're after all. Moment from conception. But this is one of those things that's important to watch and see what happens. Um, finally, I called this one to vax or not to vax. At least in England, 
the UK, former Prime Minister Tony Blair says that the vaccine is your pathway to freedom. And I don't know if you've seen TV ads, Hulu and other places. Some of the TV ads just make it look like it's just, you know, you are basically serving Christ if you get this. They don't call it that, but it's like you're serving humanity and Christ. It, it, it makes it almost religious looking to have the vaccine. Now, there's lots of reasons why you would or would not have a vaccine. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer, just so you know. But the idea of enforcing it on people or, or coercion, social coercion, this is the thing that really bugs me. I feel like everything from probably from late 2019, but certainly from the time of the beginning of the um, the pandemic of fear, I'd call it that more than a, it was, it was an epidemic, don't get me wrong, but this pandemic of fear about COVID-19, which is indeed another respiratory illness, like any other respiratory illness, and it, it, it's, it is, um, it's, it's opportunistic. So what I mean by that is it, it, it connects worse with people who already have pre-existing health conditions, are predisposed to not be able to fight off certain viruses, have had a long history of lung illness, cancer. They have a weakened immune system due to chemotherapy. You've got all these different side issues that, that, that are comorbidities, basically. That can lead to death. Very few normally healthy people would get it beyond, below, let's say, below the age of 80 and just immediately get so sick that they have to be on a vent and then possibly never come out of it, go in a coma and die. But it is a, it is an illness. It's a bad illness. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a science denier. It's a real virus. But, but that's not my point. My point is that the, the, the problem I see with a lot of the things we're doing is, again, it's, it's coercion. It's social coercion. Just like the idea about um, trying to force Catholic services into going against their own conscience in order to continue to, to serve children. And they had to make a, a very difficult decision and say, well, if that's how we have to, what we have to do to serve children, I guess we can't serve children anymore. And that's sad, Chalen. That's terrible. It doesn't matter your politics or your belief in conspiracy theories or these things about to be a, a vaxxer or an anti-vaxxer. It's not about that. I've got lots of vaccines that have been shot into my blood system over the years. And I'm sure you do too. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about trying to tell people they have to do it or they can't do this. That's That goes against conscience. You can't force somebody to put something in their body that we haven't even tested yet, really. We don't know what it will or will not do. Because this has just happened in the last, what, how long has the vaccine been out now? About six months? Yeah, pretty cool, I'd say. That's scary. That is scary. I mean, because again, like I say, for right now, we don't know the science yet. We've not had enough years to study this. Uh, in five or six years, we'll know. But for now, we just don't know. And I, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was interesting that Tony Blair words it in such a way that it was like, that he did a commercial and it was just, I don't know, weird. Um. So finally, the final thing I wanted to say is to quote the Eagles, there's a new kid in town. Bye-bye, Benjamin Netanyahu. He is gone. His coalition broke down. He's no longer prime minister. And as of the last couple of weeks, history has been made. Naftali Bennett is the new prime minister, and he's young, relatively speaking. He's my age. He was born in 72. He's also the only the second person to be born in Israel. Netanyahu was the first prime minister who was actually born in Israel since it was founded. But he was educated a, in the U.S. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, go ahead. Uh, uh, young man, wife and children. Interesting thing, and Al Mohler brought this up a couple weeks ago. He's the first ever truly believing Orthodox Jew to be Prime Minister of Israel. They've all been secular Jews, many of them non-believing or, or, or just involved tangentially in the religion itself. He is actually a Jew, as in a believing Jew. He yeah. is a theist. He is a monotheist and a, and a practicing Jew. 
Uh, it's fascinating. I don't know what that spit says about anything, and I know a lot of people don't like us to meddle in politics. A lot of people probably don't like us to meddle in eschatology, but I don't know. I find that fascinating, that he's an actual believer. I mean, he don't believe what we believe. He believes what we would believe about the Old Testament up sure. to a point, and then no further. Uh, he's not a Christian, but that's interesting that he's actually religious and apparently deeply religious. It's one of those things. Because well, only... Israel's, Israel's been a secular state since its foundation in 1948. Well, only time will tell. We'll yeah. have to see how it plays out, shakes out, because there's still discrepancies right now on what Netanyahu's going to do and how it's going to go. So we'll just have to see how the weeks But months, there's interesting things happening in Israel the last 20 years or so. There's probably more, what do they call, Messianic Jews, mm-hmm. uh, little kibbutzes and communities of born-again believing Christians who are Jews. And I just find that fascinating because there's certain issues about eschatology that I can't agree with the amillennialists and the postmillennialists on, in which their view of, of Judaism and of and of, of Israel itself, even the, the modern state of Israel, is that it's just an anomaly, it's just a thing. And I see it differently. As a premillennialist, I see it as a a sort of foundational thing from Romans in which Paul himself says, and I believe this is complete eschatology, where he says, All these the the the, the eyes of the Jews have been blinded. Is this forever? And he says, No. May it never be. It is only until the fullness of the time the Gentiles become in, and then God will open their eyes. Are we seeing a revival in the Middle East like that? I I hope so. I hope we're seeing the starts of it. I'd like to see the Jews come to repentance and be saved. Like I said, time will tell. We'll see what happens. This has been a fascinating episode, Jalen. I'm, I'm going to close it here. I want to read a series of quotes. Sure. Um, from James White's Twitter on the Ed Litton thing that I had, I knew I had, and I won't do it. Let's be honest, shall we? This is Dr. James White's tweets. Ed Litton's sermon team, in quotations, whatever on earth that is, copied wholesale numerous sermons by Greer. Outline, points, exegesis, illustrations, not just here and there, but in toto. Litton took Greer's personal stories and told them in first person. This is not an issue of giving citations, as in I dropped someone else's. I quoted someone else's commentary, but I did not interrupt the flow of the sermon to give a full biographical reference. That's a completely different category. The refusal by Lytton and his and his people to openly say this, that's what we did. We transcribed the sermons and re-preached them using the same points, the same outline. The same words, the same illustrations, straight up representation is shameful. Sadly, it is not overly surprising given the politics of the day. So as today, as we have moved through a potpourri of topics, as we call it, uh, the main topic du jour was plagiarism in the SBC. Plagiarism... From it is now president of the SBC. We are in a unique situation. Now what happens and transpires, as I said earlier, in the weeks, months, days to come, will be interesting to see. Uh, It will be uh, difficult and painful to watch, frankly. I can't help but wonder, what in the world is Ed Litton going to do this week now that the world is watching his sermon How different will the sermon be this Sunday when he himself actually has to prepare it, study for it, outline it, 
But what is the sermon of Ed Litton going to look like this Sunday? What is going to happen when he does all the work? Only time will tell, folks. And until next time, we are praying for you. You can comment or email us at comments at dumbspeak.com. Once again, that is comments, plural, at dumbspeak.com. Roy, why don't you take us home? All right. Like he said, visit us online, www.dumbspeak.com. Leave us a message at comments at, w, at dumbspeak.com. Boy, I said that bad. Comments at dumbspeak.com. That's plural. And until next time, we do love you. We're praying for you and wish you'd continue to do the same for us. And God bless. And I'm the Dunder Chief. <laughs> yeah, the Dunder Chief. third cup of Javalier coffee with half and half creamer. Oh, really? Take that. How That's my that? sissy coffee, IFB preachers.